great to be worshiping here this morning. Would you please stand as we gather, as we worship, as we praise our Lord. the Lord this morning for that song of praise. Amen. Breath of those surrounding me, I can't hear 
His promises are true in His strength. There is nothing we can do. Yes, we know there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wait lives in us. Lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when He speaks. The same power that can calm the raging sea lives in us. Lives in us. He lives in us. Lives in us. Greater is He that is living in me. He's conquered our enemies. No power of darkness, no weapon prevails. We stand here in victory.
Great day. Aren't you happy to be here today? 
Of course you're happy. There's bacon outside, right? That's what happens when there's bacon. Everybody's happy. It's amazing. We uh, want to just uh, thank God this morning. You know, it's Father's Day. We're so thankful for all the dads in our church. But I'll tell you what, who we're really thankful for is our Father who is in heaven. Amen? Let's thank God for our Father in heaven this morning, all right? Uh, somebody said to me last night, well, don't you say happy Father's Day to your Father in heaven? I said, I never thought of that. So I want to encourage you and, uh, and all the dads in the church here today. We're so thankful for all that God is doing. And, of course, <coughs> the uh, bacon, egg, and cheese is a fun way to celebrate out there. A few of the old-time cars out there, some of the classic cars and some muscle cars running around this place. And a lot of fun going on here today. So we're thankful that you're here today. Just by way of announcements, just a few things I want to remind you of today. We have our car cruise coming up. That's every Tuesday this summer here. Um, and so that will be this Tuesday again. I want to encourage you, this is here. We do this so that the community knows that we are here for them. We are here for the community. And so there will be a lot of community people come up here. And they bring in their cars and they hang out in the parking lot. So as our church family, I invite our church family to come around and talk to everybody. Just say, hi, nice to meet you. Tell me about your car. Uh, I'd like to be your friend and just, just have fun with them, okay? And uh, enjoy yourself here. And if you have a car you'd like to show off, go ahead and show it off out there, all right? I don't think you want to see my niece on, so you'll be just fine without that one, all right? So movie night. We have movie night also on Friday, so this is a busy week. Tuesday night, and then we've got Friday night. We've got a movie night out here on the lawn. This is, uh, this is entitled Family Camp. There's uh, over 250 people already signed up to come to that movie, and you know how people wait till the last minute to sign up anyhow. So that means there's going to be a lot of people here. I want to encourage you. There's going to be bounce houses for the kids. There's going to be dollar concession stands so that you can just take your kid and go shopping, and it won't break the bank, all right? So we're going to have a fun time. I want to encourage everyone to be here for that. It's going to be a great, uh, great evening. And again, this is one of those events where we invite our friends and family, invite people from the community, so we show them that we are for the community. We're here for them. We're for the Lord, and we're for the community. So we're going we're gonna to be kind and uh, open this up, and, and it's our gift to the community. Then we have our mega sports camp coming up. That's July 10th through the 14th. That's for our children's ministry up through sixth grade. So it's going to be an incredible week here. I think we have over 250 kids already signed up. We'll be hitting over 300 kids, no doubt, for that. I hear there's about 100 people that have signed up to help or more. So this place is going to be rocking, all right? So that's coming up here shortly. If you've not yet signed your kid up, please sign them up. If you haven't signed your grandkids up, your neighbors, invite somebody. This is all about people coming to Jesus. So I want to encourage you, get the word out and say, hey, come on up. And by the way, this is a, a totally free event. We give them all kind of stuff. I don't know. They get a T-shirt or something. I, they get everything. I don't know what they get, but they get a lot of stuff. And we don't charge a penny. We just give that. A lot of places go, they'll, they'll charge for VBS and all that. And like I said, we'll never charge for VBS. We want to bring people to Jesus. Amen? So that's, uh, that's our mission here, and that's what we're doing. I want to encourage you uh, to be in prayer for that and be inviting people coming up. And then uh, you'll notice I have a bookmark inside of your, inside of your bulletin there today. And asking for prayer, this is our team that's going to Ecuador. We are heading out here on next Sunday, June the 25th. So we will be departing, heading out to Ecuador, and we will be gone through the following Sunday, through July the 3rd. There's 31 people on that list. I'd like to ask you to pray over them. If you would begin to pray for us every day, um, I, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't mind if you pray for me longer than two weeks, all right? That'd be great. Just keep praying for me. But if you would pray for our group in particular for the next two weeks, 
just ask God for his protection, for his provision, and for the harvest, that God would allow us to reap the harvest. Uh, the, I was talking with them in Ecuador. We're going to be around hundreds of kids. The opportunities are just mushrooming what God is giving to us. It's just incredible what uh, we're going to be partaking in and what the community is anticipating and waiting for us to come. And so this is a really exciting opportunity for our church to make a difference across the globe. So if you would be praying for us as we get on the plane and go, we will actually be here at the 930 service next Sunday. And they're going to pray over us there. And then we are going to walk out the door and take a bus. We're going to D.C. We're getting a plane in D.C. because the airfare was cheaper from D.C., significantly cheaper from D.C. than from Pittsburgh. And, uh, and then we're going to be flying from there to Panama and then Panama on into Ecuador. And uh, so this is going to be interesting. It's going to be, a, it's going to be quite a week of uh, a, lot of, a lot of new experiences. A lot of people are going to be uncomfortable and stretched. And so I want you to be praying for all of that group as they go through that, that God will uh, help them as they grow spiritually. So I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You've been so good. Uh, as God has been growing you, he's, and when he grows disciples, this is what he does. He grows givers. Because uh, as we learn that, hey, what he has given me belongs to him, and we start to give back unto the Lord, this is what happens. And so that's a sign of spiritual growth. So I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving, your faithfulness in worship, your faithfulness in serving here at the church. And as God moves in your heart and God does these things, we want to encourage you as you bless the Lord. And you can give online, you can give on per in person, or you can give through the mail. So we're just so thankful for all that God's doing. So isn't it an exciting day around here? Man, okay, I'm, I'm all charged up. And I haven't even eaten one of those sandwiches yet. If I eat one of them before I preach, it's never good for you. So I, uh, I'm just so thankful for, uh, for, our, for Ed, Max, and Denise. Huh? Can we thank God for those guys, Ed and Denise, out there? Holy cow. He started early this morning, 8 o'clock. He was starting making sandwiches, and he's out there. He says, man, I'll tell you, I've got enough for 300 of them. And, uh, and he's just making them, and people are eating them and having a ball. So what a, what a way to celebrate, and uh, we just celebrate all the, all the men in our church. We're so thankful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll continue to worship the Lord. Father God, we come before you, and I just thank you for all that you have done, Lord. God, thank you for the great ways that you're working. God, thank you for Father's Day, for the men in our church, Lord. You're, you're moving in abundant ways, Lord. We thank you. We know that you're doing something powerful here, Lord. God, I ask now that as we go about these opportunities, Ecuador, movie night, Lord, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. Lord, the candle, the flame is burning brightly here in Finleyville, Lord. We, are, we have a full week ahead of us. We've got Tuesday night uh, that with the... Um, with, with the car crews for the community. We've got Wednesday night with the apologetics study up here. We've got Friday night with the movie night for the community. And Sunday, we're heading to Ecuador. Sunday, Lord, others will be bringing their friends and family to church. God, you are doing so much, and we give you the honor and the glory. Thank you, Lord, for igniting this fire in our church. And God, we are so thrilled to be called your children. Thank you, Lord, as we worship you through song, through the word, through giving, Lord. And we will honor and bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue on? For me and my house, we are going to serve you. For me and my house, you'll get the praise. For me and my house, we are going to love you more. 
I want to thank God for again for all the men. How about that song, huh? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank God for that. Amen. That's right out of the book of Joshua. Yes, amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I want to, first of all, before I jump into this message, I just want to recognize all the dads in this room. Would you stand up if you're a dad in this room today? Would you stand up? Yeah. Yeah, let's thank God for that. Let's thank God for that, man. Yes. 
right, stay standing for a second here, all right? I just want to encourage you, all the men up, uh, all, the, all the dads, now all the men stand up. I want all the, all the dads, uh, all the men in the building, you're a man, stand up. I want all you ladies to look around and look at the men in this building that God has given us. I'll tell you what, man, God has given us an army, hasn't he? Look at that. In uh, many churches, you don't see men. God has given us men. And I want to encourage you, these, the men in our church, I've been watching them. They are stepping up. They are leading their families. They are encouraging. They are, they are walking in righteousness. They are moving and caring and loving their families and trying to be godly men. So let's thank God for all these men in our church this morning. God bless you. You may be seated, please. All right? God has lit a fire in this church. And I'll tell you what, he's... He's, he's lit it among the women, he's lit it among the teenagers, and he's lit it among the men. And I've watched God do some powerful things in, men's, in the life of men this past year. And so we want to be encouraged by that. And that's why we want to celebrate these things, because God is moving, and he's doing something incredible. And when, when, uh, when the leader of the house, whenever the, the man gets excited, that whole family gets excited. So I want to encourage you to be excited about the things of God and to follow his ways. Today we're going to be wrapping up our But God series, and as we look at this, this message here today, I'm reminded that it's going to be one that's going to challenge us. Uh, it's going to challenge us on spiritual growth, and when you think of spiritual growth, I'll never forget one of the ways that I used to illustrate spiritual growth was when I was teaching young people when I was a youth pastor over here at our church youth group here at this church. I would take my little daughter, and I would bring her up on stage with me over at Straight Street, the old teen building over there. And I would put her on the other side. And so Rhonda would sit there and hold my little daughter, Carice, okay? She's in the back. She's embarrassed right now, but she's here, okay? She was like, she was like one and a half, two, you know, however. I don't know. I can't get down that far anymore, right? So however small that she was. And I'll never forget, I said, I, she, Mama held her and I said, come to Daddy, all right? When I said, come to Daddy, she would just come. I mean, she just like, it was, all right? But here's what happens. Whenever you're new at walking, you're kind of like wobbling over, right? She's just kind of walking like this. And so we did that when she was young, and she kind of wobbled over. It did it a little bit later, and she figured out walking a lot better. Come to Daddy, and you know what she did? Man, she come running to me. She would just come running. And so here's what the difference was that I noticed in those two scenarios. Whenever she was little... She would tend to look down at those feet as you're starting. Did you notice when the kids start to walk, they kind of start looking down at their feet like this. And so, but whenever I said, come to dad, she was looking at dad and it gave her a direction to go and it brought her to the path that she was to be on. As she got a little bit older, I'd say, come to dad and she would just automatically run. No more looking at her feet. And here's what happens in spiritual growth. You cannot grow spiritually unless you're looking at Dad, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Unless you're looking at him. If you're looking at your life, if you're looking at the steps that you're taking, you're looking at the wrong place. You're looking down. When you're looking at who is calling us. And so I want to challenge us all. This message today is going to be a challenge of spiritual growth. And as we look into this passage today, you're going to see a little bit about your past. You're going to see about your present. You're going to see about your future. And we're going to see what God has in store for us. And it's all in this but God statement. It's a powerful but God statement right in the middle there. 
You know, when we talk about the but God statements, we talk about how God can radically change a person, how God in himself intercepts into somebody's life and radically changes them for his glory, radically changes their future. Uh, God protected David from Saul. We looked at that one week where God took David and he, he put his hedge of protection around David. So Saul was out to kill him, but God did not let Saul kill him. Uh, we saw in Joseph's life, we saw the life of Joseph where his brothers just betrayed him, sent him off, threw him in a pit, all this crazy stuff that he went through. And Joseph at the end comes back and says, what you meant for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Uh, he re- we remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. Noah was in the, in the ark. God put Noah in the ark. And 40 days, 40 nights, this place was all covered in water. He's in the ark. And the scripture says, but God remembered Noah. Um, the Babylonian captivity. Israel comes out of the Babylonian captivity. And God forgives Israel because of his great mercies. But God, but by the mercies of God. When we looked at, jo- uh, at Joseph's life, we also looked at Jacob, his dad. A complete dysfunctional dad. And in the midst of all the dysfunction, God still kept his promise. But God stepped in. We saw God still moves. Uh, Elijah. Elijah was a man who was down and depressed. But God. God stepped in and he, 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 he took care of him. And so you, you see a lot of these things. We, and all the way back to the first Sunday that we talked about, but God was on Easter Sunday. Jesus was dead. But God raised him to life. And so today we're going to look into Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 1 through 10, 10 verses here. And uh, we're going to look at your past, our present, and our future. Okay? Number one, our past. We once were wandering from God. Would you say that with me? We once were wandering from God. So we were wandering away from God. This is the past of everybody. Look here what the scriptures tell us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who knows, uh, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul says here that basically we were dead. Our past, we were wandering, we were walking away from God, and he says here that we were dead. We were spiritually dead. Notice he says, you who are now alive, you were once spiritually dead. We were dead on arrival. Man, you know, when you think of that, it's like the, like the Walking Dead. Remember that show on TV? You know, The Walking Dead. It's like, oh, man, there's just a bunch of dead people walking around. They don't even know what they're doing. And that's what we were. We were, we were spiritually dead. And, folks, listen, as an unbeliever, an unbeliever is spiritually dead. This is where the problem is. It's not just that they're sick. It's that they're spiritually dead. There's, a spirit, there's something that is not alive yet. And so when, when you come up to something that is dead, it must be made alive. Only God is the one who can make this alive. 
So you may have encountered some people that are spiritually dead. You may have encountered some people that are maybe at odds with Christianity, maybe at odds whenever you bring up the name Jesus. They're spiritually dead. Well, here's what happens. Many times we think that, well, somebody just needs to change their life and go get a good self-help course and, and, uh, and they'll, be, they'll be okay. We don't need a good self-help course. We don't need a personality adjustment. Uh, we, don't need, we don't need any of these things that we can manufacture. We need salvation. We need God himself to come and make us alive. We need a true divine but God moment. We've got to have God step in. And so for many of you, maybe you can remember the days whenever you were opposed to Christ. Like you heard somebody talk about Jesus and you say, okay, I'm keeping my arm's length from that. Maybe today you say, I'm not like that anymore. God's changed my heart. He's made me alive. Maybe you're still checking it out. Well, keep checking it out because God's the one who makes it alive. It's not about, hey, you know, I went to church or I've got this background in going to church and all that. No, it's, it's all about God. The Holy Spirit makes us alive. Um, this means here, I want you to catch this. You can put somebody in a school and educate them well, and they're just going to come out of school well-educated sinners. You can put somebody into therapy. And they're going to come out a well-adjusted sinner. You can put somebody into church, and they're going to come out a religious sinner. But when you put somebody into Christ, then you will become a saved sinner. You see the difference? Like, the world can't help us. All the, sin, all the systems and all the things of the world can't help us. Only God can. And as He is the one who makes us alive that's the game changer. Now, we were spiritually dead. Romans 5.12 says that we are spiritually dead. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. We were all dead. We were, because of that, look at this, death has spread to all men. You weren't just mostly dead. Remember that from that movie? What was it? Princess Bride? Remember the guy in there? He goes, you know, he was getting his friend some help. He took him to the mad doctor. He goes, oh, he's mostly dead. How can he be mostly dead, right? He's mostly dead. And he gets a thing to do this in his mouth. And the, and the guy asks me, he says, well, what do you do when he's all the way dead, when he's all dead? He goes, ah, oh, there's nothing else you can do but check his pockets and take his money, right? So, but it's a funny little clip, Princess Bride, right? But anyhow, mostly dead. There is no mostly dead. There's no mostly dead. Either you're dead or you're dead, right? And so that's, this is what happens. God says we are dead. We're not mostly dead. We're, we're dead. Spiritually, we need Christ. And, and I'll tell you what. The Scripture says the natural man, 1 Corinthians 2.14, says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man can't, can't discern this. The natural man, he hears, you, you may be giving somebody the good news of Jesus, and he's, he gets upset. It's foolishness to him. Uh, I would never forget one time I was in New York City on a missions trip with our young people, and as we were handing out, we handed out these gospel literature. They're about this size, and I was standing on the corner with a number of our teenagers, and I'm handing out these papers, and a guy took one. I'll never forget, he walked away. He went about 20 feet, and then he came back, and he got in my face, and he just went like this. He said, are you one of them born-again Christian people? I was like, maybe. 
And I just kind of said, okay. Listen, he, uh, he was mad. All I did was give him how to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. He ripped the paper up into my face, threw it in my face. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the toughest encounters I ever remember. I've had some hard nuts to crack, but that one almost cracked me. And I'll tell you what, I was like, whoa, what are you doing here? And so sometimes people are highly upset. You know why? Because they're dead. They're spiritually dead. God says, you and I were once spiritually dead. We, have, we are spiritually dead in our sins. Um, we were all spiritually dead. And this is why Jesus himself said, you must be born again. Why? Because you're spiritually dead. You have to have a spiritual birth. You were born physically. Don't let that born again word scare you. A lot of people say, oh, you're born again. Or I'll just, When Jesus talked about it, here's the very pure sense of it, was you were born spirit, you physically. Now you need to be born physically. Why do you need to be born? I'm sorry, born, you were born physically. Now you need to be born spiritually. Why do you need to be born spiritually? Because you're dead. And dead things don't come to life unless somebody brings them to life. You can't come to life on your own. Ephesians 2, 1, he made and he made alive who were dead in their trespasses. What caused the death? It was our trespasses and sins. Sin is to miss the mark. We've all sinned. This is the mark and we've missed the mark. Every one of us has missed the mark. That is what sin is. And you know what? Sin is, uh, is really uh, not even something that, you, that you've even committed at this point. We've just missed it. It's something that we haven't done. We've missed the mark. We've missed the mark of who God, uh, what God has called for our life. And then he talks about trespasses. Not only have we sinned, not only have we missed the part, but there's trespasses. You know, when you see that sign that says no trespassing and you walk across the sign anyhow, that's called deliberate and so the scripture says here, the things that you have missed the mark in general, just by our sin is our sin nature, and also by the things that we have trespassed. We have walked on the grass when it said, don't walk on the grass, right? We have tread where God didn't want us to go. We knew it. The Holy Spirit was speaking to us, and we still said we're going to do this anyhow. He made us alive, that we, and we were the ones that were dead in our trespasses and sin. He continues on. He says, in which you once walked. So you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. There's that word walk. Greece, come to daddy. Looking at dad, she comes. Before you come to Christ, you are making your own decision where you're walking. Now catch this. The word walk means to make a deliberate decision. If I'm going to walk, my brain must engage, and it must know where I'm going. I have to tell, left, right, left, right out the door, right? This is where my path has to go. Before we were alive, we once walked deliberately according to the course of this world, to the system of this world, according to the prince of the power there. That's Satan. You see, before we were walking with the Father, we were walking Satan. You say, well, I wasn't knowingly doing it. You might not have known you were doing it, but we were all doing it. We walked according to the prince and the power of the air. 
So the spirit who uh, uh, the, the the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so look at this. He gives us. He tells you basically how hopeless we were. We t- he tells us how bad our situation was. He says that we were broken. Man, we were first of all broken. You walked according to the course of this world. And then he says that you were hopeless according to the prince of the power of the air. Man, we're walking according to the, to the father of lies, to, to the, Satan himself, to the sons of disobedience, undeserving, man. So this is our, this is our life. We were, we were hopeless. We were broken. We were undeserving. And so we had a pretty bleak situation. And as you look at this, you can even look at your spiritual life, even as a follower of Christ, and maybe like the old hymn. It was written in 1700s, I believe. It was called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. One of the verses in that song says this, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And still, even as we have been made alive, we're still, we still have to, walk, we have to remember where we're walking. If I'm not walking to Daddy, if I'm not looking at Daddy, if I'm not looking at who the Father is, then I'm going to wander my own way, and it's going to go the ways of far from God. And then the but statement. It was bleak. It was bad. And he makes this desperate situation. He shows you how desperate we were. Then verse 4, here it is, but God. Now there it is, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But God. Thanks be to the Lord for that word, but God, that little phrase. On Easter Sunday, at the beginning of this series, I shared with you that James Montgomery Boyce said, if we understand these two words, but God, they will save your soul. Martin Lloyd-Jones said that the whole gospel can be summed up in these two words, but God. You know, but God is part of all of our stories. If I could sit down and, and come along and, and take a microphone and let you, everyone talk in the auditorium and say, hey, tell us your but God moment when you went from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. If I could come around and do that, it would be phenomenal. You all would be so happy to hear everybody's story because each one of us have a but God moment when God stepped in and did his work. And if you're a saved person, if you, the lights are on, you're walking with God, there was a but God moment. Because dead people don't become alive on their own. They have to have something that brings them to life. So, a few weeks ago I asked, hey, would anybody like to share their but God story? And uh, one of our young men in the church, he filled out the form and said, yeah, I'd like to do that. So I met with him. And I'm going to invite him to come up and share his but God story with you this morning. This is Mike Baker. I'm going to ask him to come on up. 
Would you welcome Mike Baker up to the stage this morning? All right, Mike, good to see you. He did good, man. He was in the first service. He, he rocked it, and he's going to do it good again. God is good, man. Uh, why don't you just tell a little bit of your background, who you are, and, uh, and your about God's story. All right, so obviously I'm Mike, and uh, I grew up in the church. My dad's a deacon. They've been coming their whole lives, so I have been coming my whole life. And uh, life tends to not always go the way we plan. And so around high school age, I, I, uh, I started to wander away from God. And then later it turned into a full sprint. But uh, uh, when that happened, I was like down real bad. And you find you're looking for ways to be happy, things that will fulfill you. And you just, if you're not looking at God, you're looking in the wrong place. And uh, I remember I was actually so down bad that I was like, I'm going to start reading the Bible again. Because I remember when I read that, it was like I was getting good life lessons. But so uh, around that time, my brother started watching uh, the Jordan Peterson Exodus series. And uh, we were talking about it. And uh, there was this like part where the guy was saying, having faith isn't believing in God because there's like so much overwhelming evidence in God. Like faith is having that God is good. And it just like broke me. That was my but God moment because it was like I was looking for good, but I was so close to it that like I didn't, if I would have found it, I wouldn't have even known it because I was dead. It wouldn't have, it would have fallen on dead ears. So God, God had a plan and he found me again. I love that, man. God is good. I know you said, uh, how did you feel when that happened? I know you, you talked, to, you used the word in the first service. Like, what, what did you say? Yeah, it made me feel like alive and like all these, uh, like I just, I remember specifically, I like closed my eyes and I just like, all these verses like just started to make sense. Yeah. Like I was blind, but now I see, like I was the foolish man who built my house on the sand. Like it was just Amen. everything cascade and it really just like, I'd open my eyes. I was I could see and I was alive. (laughs) Amen. Thanks be to God. Isn't that awesome? But God, but God, man. I'll tell you what, I love this guy. He's a great guy and God's done a work in his life. And just like you said, man, it was falling on deaf ears because you weren't alive yet. God brought it. God quickened you. Mm -hmm. He made you alive. And look what God has done. And so he is but one story out of what we could do in this whole auditorium. But I'll tell you what, I want you to pray for him, love on him, and encourage him. This guy is, uh, is uh, a follower of Jesus, and none of us are perfect. Don't ever expect any perfection because God didn't make any perfect people. We're all fallen, but I want you to pray for him and encourage him. Give him a high five and uh, just encourage him along the way. God bless you, Mike. Thanks for sharing your story today, man. God bless you, man. I, uh, I will never forget when Mike walked back in there and we were in the middle of the 21 days of prayer in our church. And uh, when our young people, God quickens them and God does it. He brings them to life. It's just wonderful. And I'll never forget when he came, that day he came back and we were rounding up the, kind of coming towards the end of the 21 days of prayer. And I said, this was a miracle of God. Because nobody in the church can, can take credit for it. Only God did that, Mike. And we rejoice with you. We love your story and we love you. 
Thanks be to God. Amen. Give him another, another encouragement there. So God saved us. He made us alive. Why did he do it? Because of his great love. Why did he do this? Why did God make us alive? Because of his great love. Verse 4 says that God is rich in mercy. Oh, I always tell people that God is rich. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the scripture tells us. So everything in all the world he owns, it all belongs to him. But I'll tell you what, when you think of something that's rich, you think of lots, right? You think of abundant of money. You think like Elon Musk, right? Money everywhere, right? Rich. God is rich in mercy. Not only does he own everything, he also owns all the mercy. And he's rich in mercy. And it's because of his great love. Lamentation says, through the mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassion does not fail. Listen, the mercy of God, the holiness of God can consume us in a moment, but he doesn't. It's through the mercy of God. His compassion does not fail. He loves you with an everlasting, unending love. And when we start to put this whole picture together, how much I'm loved. You see, I am loved by God, not because of the way I've walked. His mercy has chosen to love me. His great love, because of his mercy and because of his great love, he has loved me. And he has loved you with an everlasting love. So I can't come before God and say, God... Here's the good that I've done. This is why you should love me. He loves me because of who he is. That's what he did for Mike, man. Why did God go after Mike? Why did God do that? You know why? Because God himself loves Mike Baker personally and went after him. And God himself went after each one of you. And he came to each one of us and he went after us that we might have these but God moments what did God exactly do for us? Not only did he make us alive, but what exactly did he do? It says he made us alive together, verse 5. He made us alive together. The, uh, the Greek word for made alive there, made us alive together, that Greek word there is, uh, is a Greek word that means quickened or to be stimulated from the outside. So, you know, I, I know that uh, as, as I think about this, I'm reminded of the story, just because I'm heading to Ecuador, I'm seeing everything in the news, you know, anything about Ecuador. I don't know if anybody saw this in the news, but there, there was a lady in Ecuador that died. She went to the hospital, and they thought that she died, right? So they put her in a coffin, and they closed the lid. And at her own wake, she's knocking to get out of the coffin. So let me tell you, you don't die and then start knocking on the inside of the coffin. Once you get inside the coffin, you ain't knocking nothing. Except for that lady, because she was not really dead. And so, you know, I was just thinking about this. You know, when we go to Ecuador, if anybody gets sick, we're not going to that hospital. I'll just let you know right now, okay? <laughs> my, my wife's like, hey, uh, don't they embalm people down there? It's like, I don't know, and I don't want to know. We're going to get in there, and we're getting out of there. I ain't, I ain't going to find out, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but let me tell you, a dead person can't come to life. I've been to... Tons of funerals, and not one of them has ever come back to life. Sometimes I'll sit in there, and I'll watch, and I'll say, I think that body's breathing over there. Do you ever do that? That's what I do. I remember when my dad died, you know, you're there for three days. 
I was like, oh, my goodness. What's going on over there? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he quickened us from the outside. You know what he did? He breathed the life in just like he did when Adam was created. He breathed the spiritual life into you. By grace we have been saved. Romans 5.8, this is another powerful verse. Read it with me. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There it is. That's what he's done. He has chased us. He, while we were walking away from him, he came to us. He pursued us because of his great love. So our past, we once were all dead. Our present, we're alive. Our future, look what he says here. God gives us a future. That's point number three in your notes. But God gives us a future. And um, here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, he says that he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, in Christ. Remember that, in Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Man, he says that in the ages to come, not only do you have life now, but he's given you eternal life. You have the ages. He doesn't say the days to come. Ages. You have eternity with God. We will physically die. But after that, we go right to heaven, right to be with the Lord. Paul said, absent from the body is present with the Lord for those who've trusted Jesus Christ. Those that he has made spiritually alive. That in the ages to come. Now, I want you to catch this because Jesus is going to uh, come back one day. We're going to have eternity with him. We're to long for that. He says, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He made us sit together in the heavenly places, he says in that verse. He made us to sit in the verse right before that, slide right before that. He says, he made us to sit together in the heavenly places. And so you say, well, I'm not sitting in heaven right now. I'm not kidding. This is not heaven. As much as I love this church, it is not heaven, folks, all right? Um, the smell of bacon may make you think it is, but it's not, okay? But let, let me tell you this. He says that he made us sit in the heavenly places together with Christ Jesus. What that means is right now, positionally, you're in, your position is with Christ in the heavenly places. That's your right now, your position. And he says that we will... Ultimately, we will sit together literally in the high places. Ultimately, literally. And so God give us a hope and a future. You have a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans, that I, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He gives us a bright future and a hope. So as believers, we have this future here. We have this future for eternity and we are called to look for him. Watch for his return. As you go in the scriptures, Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of heaven, not of earth. So eagerly await the Savior. Eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wait for the Son. Wait for his Son from heaven. 1 Thessalonians 1. Wait for the Son from heaven. Uh, Titus 2 
uh, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we are not looking for an event. We're looking for a person. You hear people talk about the rapture when Jesus is coming. I'm not looking for an event. I'm looking for Jesus because it's Jesus who's coming. And I'm already best friends with him. And so can you be, right? So we are looking for a person, Jesus Christ. And so look at the future. So you've got this great future. And I like what C.S. Lewis said on the subject. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, "A a continual looking forward to the eternal world as some modern people think, uh, as some people, uh, I'm sorry, let me read this again, I trouble. A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. Look forward to heaven, look forward to God's return. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were, were just those who thought most of the next world. So the ones who did the most thought most of heaven, where they're going. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. You see, when we stop rem- remembering that heaven is our home and we're not citizens here, we're citizens of heaven, when we stop that, man, this is whenever it dries up. Our fruit dries up. We've got to be thinking about who God is in our future. He's, we have a past. We have a present. We have a future. For by grace, read this with me, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's the gift of God. When we get to heaven, nobody has bragging rights Nobody's going to say, you know, all the people on that list that I've asked you to pray, none of them will be able to get into heaven and say, well, God, you know, I was, uh, I went to Ecuador for a week and I ate rice three times a day. I slept on a piece of foam. I came back. I'll never be the same. You know, that's not going to get me into heaven. I can't go before God and say, God, you know what? I was a pastor in Finleyville. I surrendered, I sacrificed, and give all my wealth. God's going to look at me and say, depart from me, I never knew you. The way that you get to heaven is not by your good, it's by his good. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift. What do you do? You receive the gift of eternal life. You become spiritually alive. Let God do this for you. And then he produces these good things in your life. Many people are frustrated today because they're trying to produce something in their life. Well, folks, you can't produce it. You've got to let God make you alive. And as you do that, you begin to grow, and your spiritual growth is going to be about how you're going to walk now. And your walk can't be about your foots. It's got to be about following your Father and keeping your eyes on our Father. For by grace you have been saved. Last thought in your notes this morning is this, is we get to work with God. Uh, Not only do we have a past, not only do we have a present, not only do we have this future, this bright future, We get to work with God. You get a purpose. Look here, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what do we get to do? We get to work with God. That's what we get to do. 
We are his workmanship. The, the word there is masterpiece. For the Greek word for workmanship, you are his masterpiece. Have you ever thought of yourself as a masterpiece? Now I want you to catch that. You are the masterpiece of God. You see, God works in you, and then he wants to work through you. You see that? It's all in that verse. We are his workmanship created for good works. Your good works don't get you to God, but when you do get to God, you're his masterpiece, and he says he created you, his masterpiece, for the good works to do. So he works in us first, and then he works through us secondly. And as we close this morning, I want you to think about this. You're a masterpiece of God. I don't think we often think of ourselves as God's masterpiece, do you? I mean, the, the Greek word is poema. It, it means the masterpiece, like an artist taking and making it. Look to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. Listen, you are the masterpiece. You, you are like, God did this. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm still working on this one, right? But let me tell you, God, you are God's masterpiece. Michelangelo, you've heard many things about Michelangelo through the years. Michelangelo, the famous artist, famous artist. He was one day, he had a big, just a big old ugly rock, big boulder. And he's out there and he's doing his artwork and he's chiseling. And he's chiseling and nobody could make out what he was doing. And a man came up to him and said, man, what are you doing? What a mess you're into. And the man turns, and Michelangelo turns around to the man and says, I'm setting an angel free. And he took this hunk of rock and he makes an angel. It's a beautiful masterpiece. You can find it all over the internet. It's still around today. I mean, he took, he took him and he takes the hammer and a chisel and everybody says, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. He said, no, I'm setting an angel free. And you know what? That's what God is doing in your life. You're God's masterpiece. He's making you alive. He's setting you free. He did it by the cross. And now, listen, God didn't just save you to go to heaven. If that's all there is to this, that's pretty good. But he's given you far more than that. He's given you purpose. He's given you meaning. He says, I want you to go. I want you to transform a world. I want you to transform a community. I want you to use your gifts, your talents. Listen, you guys have so many gifts and talents that I can't even imagine. Nowhere near. Listen, I could never hold a candle to half your talents out there. You know why? Because God made you that masterpiece, and he made me a different masterpiece. And he says, I want you to do the good works that I have ordained for you in advance to do. So when you see that but God statement, it wasn't, oh, but God, and I get to go to heaven when I die. It's, I was desperate. I was dead. But God made me alive. He gave me a bright hope, a bright future. And he has a plan for me. And I'm going to use that gift for him because God has ordained it. Now, check this out. God has ordained for you to talk to somebody this week, somebody that I won't talk to. You're going to be out there making your thing, making your way, and you're going to be bumping into people, and God wants you to be you that masterpiece. Don't be me. Don't be somebody else. Be the masterpiece that God made you, and you shine the glory of God. You know why? Because you're an angel that's been set free. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as we prepare to sing our closing chorus this morning, I want to ask you, would you 
come to Jesus. But God, rich in mercy, makes us alive. Maybe today you're saying, Ken, I need to become alive. I need to spiritually become alive. I, I want to invite you to open your heart and just tell God that and let him quicken your heart. Let him make you alive because you can't make it yourself. you just got to surrender to him. And just pray something like this. Dear God, dear Jesus, I come before you and I am spiritually dead. But I need you to make me alive. I'm hearing your voice. I'm responding to you today. And God, I don't understand it all. But I'm going to trust you. Thank you for dying on the cross. For paying for my sin. And rising again from the dead. So that, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will live in me. And for others, maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time. Maybe there's some dead parts in your life today. Maybe there's some parts of your life that you need to give over to God and say, God, would you quicken this part in my life? I, I've been numb in this area. I have walked away from you. I have been indifferent. Lord, I am dead. This is a dead area in my life. God, would you bring this area back to life? It can only happen by your power. God, thank you. Thank you for our church family. It's been a wonderful celebration. Lord, I love our family. Thanks be to God what you've done here. Thanks for those that responded to your word today. Lord, you have made some dead people alive today. God, you are so wonderful. I give you the honor and the glory, and I bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please stand with us as we finish this.
Crossroads. Have a wonderful week and happy Father's Day, everyone.